0: Welcome to HBF. It's good to see you once again. And, uh, my name is Brian Hedges. If you're a guest with us, we're glad that you're joining us once again. And, uh, if you are joining us online, we're glad that you're with us this morning. Uh, as we come to the first, uh, Sunday in, uh, or not the first Sunday in January, I should say, but the, the uh, the near the 22nd of January, uh, each year around Sunday, uh, January 22nd, it's designated as the Uh, sanctity of life sunday and this is done as a reminder of the decision that was handed down january 22nd of 1973 with the roe v wade uh, decision making uh, the destruction of human life in the womb legal in all 50 states and the actual history and slow degradation in american culture actually started in the late 1800s and the early 1900s it just took some time to to get to that point uh, with the evolutionary theory and the eugenics philosophies uh, of the master race, which we saw work its way out in Germany. Um, And that all came from Darwin's theory of evolution and the origin of the species. And I think most of you are probably familiar with that. And so that evolutionary theory led to ultimately the destruction of life. And when I was a child, uh, and even up into my late teen years, uh, as I was in the 1980s, uh, we were still being taught that, you know, cells were just a simple cell construct. And all of those things, but, of course, in the, in the late 1990s with the advent of the uh, electron microscope and then, of course, the discovery of the DNA uh, programming and the complex composition of molecular structures in the human genome, it became clear that there was an intelligent design, right? By the time, you could, I mean, really, you can't deny that. Nobody can that they have any sense. And, and so it's not really remotely plausible to explain the complexities of molecules and the makeup of of creation in general, without a creator, uh, and of course scientists would call that an intelligent design uh, so in a rational world it, with true science, of course we're warned against science falsely so called uh, these facts would be published, scientists and medical professionals would admit that uh, indeed they were wrong, there was much more to it than they initially thought, and then we 'd repent and of the of the murder and that's gone on not just with the womb but really even with political, geopolitical philosophies for the last 100, 150 years. And, of course, uh, nobody's doing that. They're just doubling down. Uh, And so so 63 million children murdered later um, over 50 years, uh, that's a big number. And uh, I fear for our country. One of the reasons I like to highlight this uh, each year is just so that we can pray that God would be gracious with our nation. In the Old Testament, when God, God's people involved themselves with Baal worship and human sacrifice, God would judge them harshly. Um, and he also judged the pagan nations, right, he, when they entered the Promised Land because of these same type of practices. So this is no small thing. I mean, if you go back into the Civil War and you look at just how we, uh, in this nation, declared this nation in particular, not all nations, very few nations, maybe Liberia and a few others, uh, you know, based their constitution on the, on the Bible, right, on, on God— and and inalienable, inalienable rights and and those things uh, and of course god's judge God judged this nation harshly we've had more deaths in this nation um in uh, the Civil War than any other war we've had and because of the duplicity of uh of how we were treating humans right and and treating african Americans as though they weren't human so god God brought judgment right and a lot of people died and and, of course, um, from that, in that age, was the Philadelphian church age. God used that, and, uh, and, and things went forward, and that continued to go. This is, I think, more egregious than that, um, with all due respect, of course, to those that are, were affected uh, by that. Uh, Margaret Sanger was a eugenicist who certainly believed in the origin of the species and justified systematic depopulation of minorities through birth control and abortion, not only in the USA but around the world. And it sounds crazy, but if you study all that, it's true. And uh, proponents of uh, Margaret Sanger don't deny that. You can go out and find white pages from Harvard that will tell you all of that. So, uh, of course, killing children is is big business today. It's no longer about ideology. It's about money. And uh, and it's uh, what was once a misguided and unbiblical ideology in the early 1900s has grown into a multi-million dollar business over the past several decades. Uh, with Planned Parenthood now growing to to be the most profitable and have the most majority of abortions going on because the actual number, praise the Lord, of abortions in the United States has actually dropped and um, overall. But the number with the Planned Parenthood has gone up because of their marketing services and the locations of their, of their abortion clinics. Now, uh, I want to be careful here um, because um, you could think, man, Brian, you don't like people that have had abortions. That's actually not the case. I recognize that there are several, probably even in this room, uh, that have been affected by abortion and impacted by abortion. And so we're not hate-filled uh, negative or negative toward people that have had an abortion. That's not our heart at all. Um, uh, if you've had an abortion or abortions, um, you're going to find grace here. Um, in, in fact, we one of the reasons I highlight this is Heartland supports uh, Shiloh Center here in, in Cass County. Uh, and it offers services to those facing crisis pregnancy. So Carol Thompson, who's not here, she usually sits right over here. She's uh, out this morning, as a, of, as a matter of fact, speaking at a church on this very subject today. And she is the uh, director of the Shiloh Center here in in Harrisonville. And uh, she is also a member of our church. So if you did have a need in that area and you, or even some hurt, some emotional pain, we have resources. And we're here to help those that need help in that, in that way. Uh, having said that, uh, we want to make it clear that the womb is a sanctified place and uh, conception that childbirth um, is obviously something that God sanctifies and um, children are not unviable tissue masses uh, that can be destroyed indiscriminately without consideration of the child uh, or even the implications that that will have on the mother long term. So many women don't really realize the implications till after the fact especially if you're in my generation we grew up really believing that and being taught pretty vehemently uh, indoctrinated is a better way of saying it that it's no big deal man it's just an unviable tissue mass no big deal and of course that's not the case and now there's a lot of of uh, ministries out there to to get that heartbeat you know and you saw the statistics and to realize wow that's a creation And, and you know for most women honestly you don't even need that most women already know that in their souls and that's what makes it so painful and so um, increasingly we're living in a culture of death uh, and that's also another reason I bring this up this is just a symptom of a bigger issue uh, and when you have a culture of death and you and you drift away from the word of God you'll get further and further and further away as, as our as the churches go further away from the word of God so goes the nation and as the nation goes the, the death uh, culture continues to grow and it becomes vogue and so uh, the Bible tells us in Proverbs eight thirty six, but he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul, and all they that hate me love death. And there is certainly a death cult, uh, that's what I call it, uh, in our world today, people that exalt death and minimize life. And if they're willing to kill children in the womb, they're willing to kill your grandma when she's no longer viable. And so, uh, so or, or you, by that, for that matter. So these are things that the church, if there's a voice on life, it's got to come from somewhere. And it's got to come from the people who bring life, not just earth, life on earth, but life forever and ever. And that's eternal life. So we live in strange times and we're supporting the sanctity of life. Uh, and, um, and, it's, and, and so, uh, so we, live in stra- I'm sorry, we live in strange times where supporting the sanctity of life is somehow considered immoral. So as I, as I get up and, take a, and make a statement like that, there's some that would say, Brian, that's immoral of what you're saying because it's going to hurt mothers or so on and so forth. You know? and, and obviously that's not our, our heart at all. And that actually, in a weird way, seg- segues me into where we're going with today's message. Uh, because sometimes um, right is wrong and wrong is right in the world we live in. And there's only really one absolute standard, and that's the word of God. And so on, on Sunday night, I'm preaching through a mini-series in Second Timothy called In Times Like These. And in the first century, Paul warned that in the last days, perilous times should come. The, the time where we enjoyed the embers of the Philadelphian church age are definitely cooled. And in some places in the West, they've gone cold. Uh, here in the United States, that's true as well. The, 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 fir- the fires of Bible-believing revival are, are ice cold in certain portions of, of our country. I don't think it's that way here in the Midwest. It's still pretty. Actually, if you, if you, I look at these things, I study it. If you look at the kind of the maps of where God's working, He's working here in Kansas City metro area. He's working, uh, to the south. But if you go north, it gets colder and colder spiritually, not just, te- not just temperature wise. Uh, and so it is important that we, like this church and our sister churches and the churches that we minister with and all Bible believing churches, whether we fellowship with them or not, continue to hold fast to the faithful word as we've been taught. Because it is a perilous time. And uh, and it's so important that we have vision. And that's why we have a vision update. And so um, so it just so happens that uh, that we cannot afford to lose heart or vision. Or fail to keep the command of God in the Great Commission. The mission of God has not been entrusted to denominations. Or even institutions. Uh, and some would say, well, Brian, you're a Baptist and this is a church. Isn't that an institution? Well, actually, biblically... We're a body. We're not even an organization. You know, you can go to the golf club and join an organization. We're an organism. We are divinely, but we've got to quicken this this local New Testament church because those that compose the church are quickened, are brought to life through Jesus Christ. This is a a divine organism. Now, we may call it an organization. We certainly function in many ways like an organization because you've got to have structure. You've got to have lattice to grow. But in the reality, we are a supernatural organism and we are the difference. We are the body of Christ, the local New Testament church. And in short, uh, if there's going to be hope in this world, it's obviously going to come through Christians. But it's going to come through Christians that are part of a local New Testament church that believes and teaches the word of God. And that's why, well, that's why we have a vision update. So there's going to be traction in times like these, right? There there must be um, continued diligence, as we talked about two weeks ago now. Um, or three weeks ago, I should say. And there's got to be continued diligence while we grow in faithfulness. And that's really the, the theme of what I'm going to be talking about this morning, continued diligence uh, while we're growing in faithfulness. Because this year we're planning, right? We're, we're purchasing the field. And that is uh, that is what we're looking at from Jeremiah chapter 32. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Jeremiah chapter 32. If you don't have one, grab one from the seat rack in front of you. Uh, if you're a guest and you got a guest bag, you can grab one of those Bibles out of that guest bag, turn to page 1056, 1056. That should put you in the 32nd chapter of Jeremiah. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, we looked back and remembered the lessons from 2023. We we must decide to be diligent. We must be diligent to take knowledge of the state of the flock and take ownership of God's mission. That's what we were focusing on in 2023. Uh, but last week, you saw an example of diligence and faithfulness as Pastor Randy Foster challenged us from the Word of God with his life and continuing diligence to grow in faithfulness as he talked about um, the need to continue uh, to do what God has called us to do as he is doing what God has called him to do. This morning, I want to challenge you to continue in diligence while growing in faithfulness. And as we look at Jeremiah 32, we'll join the weeping prophet, Jeremiah. Jeremiah is, uh, charged in chapter 32 with purchasing a field, and we'll look at that here in just a moment. And it was during the most, uh, inopportune time. I mean, it was in the worst time you can imagine, and I'll, I'll extrapolate on that. I'll lay that out for you here in just a little bit. We'll un- unpack that, as they say today. Um, and he did that, though, by faith. He, he, he bought property by faith at a time in which it really didn't make a lot of sense. And both God and Jeremiah were faithful, and I pray in 2024, we continue in diligence to know the state of the flock while growing in faithfulness i don't want to forget the lessons of 2023 because people god's about people right we don't we want to we want to be about people but we also got to be about god's business right we got to be faithful to do what god has saved us to do and be who god has saved us to be so if you have your bibles look in uh, jeremiah chapter 32 we're going to just read uh, verses 1 through 12 we're going to pray we're going to bust into this and get moving The Bible tells us in Jeremiah thirty-two one, The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the tenth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, which was the eighteenth year of Nebuchadnezzar. For then the king of Babylon's army besieged Jerusalem. And Jeremiah the prophet was shut up in the court of the prison, which was in the king of Judah's house. For Zedekiah, king of Judah, had shut him up, saying, Wherefore dost thou prophesy and say, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will give this city into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall take it. And Zedekiah, king of Judah, shall not escape out of the hand of the Chaldeans, but shall surely be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon, and shall speak with him mouth to mouth, and his eyes shall behold his eyes. So he's going to look him eye to eye. And he shall lead Zedekiah to Babylon, and there shall be, uh, and there he shall be until I visit him, saith the Lord. Though ye fight with the Chaldeans, ye shall not prosper. Verse six. Halfway there. And Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Behold, uh, Hanameel, the son of Shalem, thine uncle, shall come unto thee, saying, Buy thee my field that is in Anthoth, for the right of redemption is uh, thine to buy it. So Hanamel, mine uncle's son, uh, came to me in the court of the prison, according to the word of the Lord, and said unto me, Buy my field, I pray thee, that is in uh, Anathoth. Uh, which is in the country of Benjamin for the right of inheritance is thine, and the redemption is thine. Buy it for thyself. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord, and I bought the field of Hananiel, my uncle's son, that was in Aunt, uh, Anthoth, and, the, and, uh, and weighed him the money, even seventeen shekels of silver. That's actually a lot of money. That's a lot of. That's a lot of. That's a lot of weight. And I subscribed the the evidence and sealed it, and took witness and weighed him. The money in the balances. And so I took the evidence of the purchase, both that which was sealed according to the law and custom, and that which was open. And I gave evidence of the purchase unto Baruch, the son of Neriah, the son of Amasiah, uh, in the sight of uh, Hanamiel, uh, mine uncle's son, and in the presence of the witnesses that subscribed the book of the purchase, before all the Jews that sat in the court of the prison. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity this morning just to look at your word and to, and to really consider, Lord, your, your incredible faithfulness to us. Lord, we're so thankful that you are faithful. You are faithful and true. That's your name. Uh, Lord, you are, you are the epitome of faithfulness. And Lord, thank you for uh, putting us in the ministry and making us faithful. Lord, I pray, Heavenly Father, that as we consider our need to be faithful, that you would practically give us things this year, that today even, to work on in 2024 so we can stay steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. As Jeremiah is a great example and an example for us of a man who did that, even while in prison, he did your will and your word, and even in times when it didn't make sense. Lord, thank you for, for these stories. Thank you for these examples. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would teach us and grow us through them this, this year and even this day. We thank you and we praise you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may stay seated. So, um, it, it was the 10th year of Zedekiah, uh, the king that we just read about, and he ruled under the auspices of Nebuchadnezzar. So, Nebuchadnezzar's already, uh, he's already taken control of Jerusalem. Uh, and this is the third son of Josiah, so Nebuchadnezzar took him in and and then reappointed him uh, to be the, the ruler in Jerusalem as the king there, so as they do in takeovers, uh, the country's taken over, but you gotta leave the infrastructure in place so the government can run, right? Somebody's gotta pick up the trash. Somebody's gotta, you know, make sure things are still going on, uh, in the city. So, uh, so he leaves Zedekiah there to, to rule. And, uh, and so that's the, that's, he does this for ten years. So he was the, the, the third son of Josiah. And one of his counselors was Jeremiah, but he didn't like the counsel Jeremiah gave him. Uh, you know, he, he just was like, man, Jeremiah, would you quit telling the truth, right? Would you just quit, quit telling me the truth? I don't want to hear what you have to say. He did not like his warnings. He didn't like his prophecies. And he didn't like Jeremiah's counsel. Now, Jeremiah was right. Um, but in reality, the world around him was wrong. And so, um, God called him and told him. Not to fear faces. If you go back to the beginning of the book of Jeremiah, God told him long ago, He says, Hey, Jeremiah, I need you to be my prophet. And, uh, He's like, Man, who am I? I'm like a child. I can't speak for you. And God's like, Hey, shh, I don't want to hear that. You know, you are going to speak for me. Uh, and, and, uh, you're going to speak the truth, right? And, and that's exactly, don't, don't fear their faces. I'm, I'm paraphrasing this. Uh, but you can go back to Jeremiah chapter one and read this. And don't fear their faces. I'll be with you. And so Jeremiah doesn't. Jeremiah, as far as we know, just spoke exactly what God told him to say, even when people didn't like to hear it. God called him and told him not to fear their faces because the Lord was with them. And in Jeremiah 1.9, he kind of gave him marching orders, sort of like Acts, you know, when Paul in Acts chapter 9, uh, Paul gets his marching orders, right? God tells him right off the bat, uh, soon after his salvation, you're going to preach to kings, you're going to preach to the Gentiles, you're going to preach to Israel. And he, he, his mission was set forth. Well, in Jeremiah 1. 9, the Bible says, The Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy, in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out. Notice this, to root out, to pull down, to destroy. Those three things. And then two more things. To throw down. Uh, oh, that's the fourth. Okay, number four. To, and then He says, To build and a plant. So there's six things listed there. Four of those things are obviously destruction. Like He's on the demo crew. I'm sending you, with the words of your mouth that I put in your mouth, I'm sending you to uh, the nations, not just to the nation of Israel, but to all the nations and all the kingdoms. The words that Jeremiah has to say are really appropriate, not just for Israel, though they are in large part to Israel. They also, he has actually a message for Nebuchadnezzar at length, which we're not getting into in this, in this series, in this message. But but he actually has a message for the nations. Jeremiah is worth paying attention to. Now, 60, 66% of Jeremiah's ministry uh, was a demolition ministry. But 33% was, was building ministry and planting ministry. Right? So he tore things down and then he, he built it back up. Right? Even, even today, we know that. We live in farming country. You can't get seed out of the ground if you don't tear up the soil. Right? you got to go back over and plow it again. you got to tear it up, make it fertile before you can get any, any yield out of it. So God needed him to tear some things up uh, by teaching the truth. But then, of course, come back in, and, and, he, and he specifically says build and plant. The two things that we do in the New Testament, right? In Ephesians, uh, we're a building, but we also, we're like an organi- organic being. We're, we're also planted. We're, we're rooted in Christ. And so you can see both of those in the New Testament as well, in the body of Christ. We're, we're a living organism. In 1 Corinthians 12, we're a body. Um, and then in, in, we're also planted and we're built up in the book of Ephesians. But I digress. So in Jeremiah chapter 9, Jeremiah said in verse 1, Oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughters of my people. You see, Jeremiah was also a priest and, and not just a prophet. He, he not only proclaimed God's truth, he, he personally empathized with the destruction of his people. And the, and the wrath that they would face from God. And so I think many of us could, could understand what that would be like. In our text, uh, we're, we're coming to the end of Jeremiah's ministry that we just read about, and, and we find him in prison in his own king's court. I mean, think about that. Zedekiah will eventually ignore Jeremiah's prophecy and face the wrath of Nebuchadnezzar as he attempts to escape from, ba- from Jerusalem and and he ends up having a meeting. I won't get into all of it or look it up. You can look it up yourself in 2 Kings. He gets his eye. The last thing he sees is his kids slain. Then his eyes gouged out. How about them apples? They played for keeps back in those days. And so uh, so that's what he get. And then he gets to go back and serve some more under Nebuchadnezzar. He gets to eat every day at the king's table. The king, the Nebuchadnezzar keeps him alive. It's kind of a messed up situation. You can imagine these things. Uh, when Jeremiah finds uh, himself in prison, uh, while Nebuchadnezzar, as we get to this text, he finds himself in prison. Nebuchadnezzar has encircled Jerusalem because Zedekiah has made a league with a king of Egypt called Hopra. And uh, they've got a league together. And he thinks, Zedekiah thought, uh, it didn't happen, that maybe Egypt could help save him and they could you know, rally and, and push back these, uh, you know, these Babylonians. Of course, God had a different plan. Nebuchadnezzar is is uh, none too happy about that plan and is literally just choking the life right out of Jerusalem as Jeremiah is rotten in prison. So it's a sober backdrop. as, as uh, And you think, what's that got to do with 2024? Well, I'll try to get there. It's a sober bra- bra- backdrop, but it's instructional as we consider our ministry in the last days of the Laodicean church. You see, our message, like Jeremiah's, Though accurate and powerful and true, is often not received by friend or foe. Right? Nobody wants to hear that there's a word in English. That's too old, that's, that's passe. You can't have the certainty of God's words, and you certainly can't know what God's doing. And as you can see, geopolitically, it's not even appropriate to support God's people. To have a biblical position on in, in even worldviews is becoming untenable. And, of course, the problem with the world today, as you all ought to know, well, it's those pesky Bible believers, those Zionists. And that is the narrative. Is it true? Well, of course it's not true, but it's the narrative. And nobody, or actually nobody, many people uh, are fooled and are foolish in not comprehending that there is a massive movement of a good coming from the church, (laughs) And evil coming from the world, the flesh, and the devil. Coming from the, the good comes from Jesus Christ and His Word and His church and His people. And beloved, this is nothing new. But it is something new for Laodiceans. You know, because we've kind of been living in a dream. You know, row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. Well, the folks in Jerusalem are waking up. I mean, for goodness sake, they've had the promises of God upon their nation. I mean, they know that they're a covenant people and they know that, that God's made these promises and that someday the Messiah will return and this nation's going to be here because he's established his temple and his sacrifices. And, and just look a few generations ago, how great God was when Sennacherib, the Assyrian came down. He was going to destroy Jerusalem and God miraculously delivered them. Surely God will do that again because God is full of mercy. God is, full, God is love. Zedekiah, I don't want to hear it, Jeremiah. I mean, great-great-great-grandpa Hezekiah, I mean, you saw what God did there. Yeah, but I don't want to hear it. You know, Jeremiah said, yeah, but Hezekiah repented. (laughs) Zedekiah wasn't about to repent. We'll get into that here in just a moment, a little bit more, what was going on. Our message, like Jeremiah, though accurate and powerful and true, is not often received by friend or foe. And what this means is that the payoff of our preaching is not always in pleasing men, nor growing churches to just epic proportions. But ultimately, our payoff is in one thing. And I'm not saying this to me, although this is to me, obviously, I'm the pastor. But this is to everybody listening, everybody online, anybody's listening. The payoff is is simply this. Being faithful, right? Diligent and faithful to please God. Man, that's the payoff. Pleasing God, no matter what the consequence. That's what we want to be about. 2024, purchase the field, man. What do we want to do? We want to grow in faithfulness faithfulness to god and the good thing is there's probably going to be more and more opportunities as we go forward to demonstrate our faithfulness to god as jeremiah found himself in prison he finds another great opportunity to be faithful to god by doing something that seems crazy which is purchasing a field in a time when it didn't make any like like real estate sense you know like hey go to the bank get your money and give it pay for this field from your cousin and uh like what? Nebuchadnezzar's out there. He's sitting in my field, <laughs> you know. I can remember several years ago when uh, my brother uh, down in Juarez, Manuel Estabani, you know, he was trying to pay off his building in the middle of a drug cartel war, and I'm just like, at this point, I don't know. I'd be too worried about paying off your building. I don't. I mean, the, the cartel, whoever the Juarez cartel, may be owning that thing soon. But in God's providence, that all settled down, and he actually did get that thing all paid for and legalized. So praise the Lord for that. In the midst of troublous times, so in 2024, purchase the field, growing in faithfulness. Jeremiah is a priest and a prophet who had bad news and a good. He had bad news and good news for Israel. So here's my first point. I'm finally to the outline. In 2024, be a faithful proclaimer of God's word. In the first five verses, what we see is that is that Jeremiah, as I've already mentioned, is in prison. The word came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the tenth years of Zedekiah, king of Judah which was in the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar. Point A, faithfully proclaim God's word regardless of the circumstances. Faithfully proclaim God's word regardless of the circumstances. Nothing would, would stop Jeremiah from speaking the truth. Jeremiah was besieged, or Jerusalem, I'm sorry, was besieged by Nebuchadnezzar. Second Kings five twenty five 1 says this, and it came to pass in the ninth year of his reign, we're talking about Zedekiah's reign, in the 10th month of in the tenth day of the month, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came, he and all his hosts against Jerusalem, and pitched against it, and they built forts against it round about. So it's blockaded in. The blockade around Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar's armies caused great famine by the ninth month. So when you get into Second Kings 25, you see a little bit more insight to what's really going on during this time of Jeremiah. In Second Kings twenty-five three, the Bible says, On the ninth day of the fourth month, the famine prevailed in the city, and there was no bread for the people of the land. Eventually, the, the bread ran out, and the city was broken up. And all the men of war, well, they fled by night, the way of the, the gate because uh, between two walls, which is by the king's garden. So all the men that, that were going to fight, right? It's not like Nebuchad- It wasn't like Hezekiah. There wasn't a king praying on the floor. There wasn't a prophet working with the king to see if God would have some mercy. There, there, none of that was coming. Zedekiah was, was sitting there. And now his army's gone. There's no defenses. There's no one there to fight. There's no one standing. This place has been, is, is ransacked. There's, there's nothing left. The Chaldeans were against the city round about. The king, he's like, I gotta get out of this place. And Jeremiah records in Lamentations that the famine was so bad. This is how bad it was that the royals had to dig through the, the dung for nutrition. In Lamentations 4 5, they did feed delicately. Uh, they that did feed delicately are desolate in the streets. They that were brought up in scarlet embrace dung hills. Lamentations also records mothers were so desperate. They were boiling their infants for food. Lamentations 4 and verse 9. They that be slain with the sword are better than they which be slain with hunger. For these pine away, stricken through for want of the fruits of the field. The hands of the pitiful women have sodden their children. That means they boiled their children. They were their meat in the destruction of the daughters of my people. The Lord hath accomplished his fury He hath poured out his fierce anger and he hath kindled a fire in Zion and it hath devoured the foundations thereof. The kings of the earth and all the inhabitants of the world would not have believed that the the adversary and the enemy should have entered into the gates of Jerusalem. It seemed like this was just absolutely impossible. How could this happen? Well, that's what happens when people who claim God don't follow God. Jeremiah was imprisoned for for simply speaking the truth. And by the way, beloved, this, the reason I bring that up is that's the norm in the New Testament. That's the norm. In second in, in Second Timothy three twelve, the Bible says, "Yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution." It was so intense in the first century that that Paul had to write to the Thessalonians and say, "Hey, it's okay. You're not in the tribulation period yet. You're just you're just going through tribulation. You know, you're you're going through persecution." But you're not there, that's not the tribulation. That won't come until later. The heat will, will, uh, will not come to the carnal compromisers, like the Corinthian church, but to the zealous faith-filled believers who, who simply believe God's words and that God's words are true. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3, the Bible says, For this cause also, thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men. And beloved, even in religious circles today, that is the biggest offense that you can do today is receive this Bible as it is in truth, the very words of God. If you compromise and you say, well, it might be what God said, or, or we can change it to adjust to the, the circumstances and just put our finger in the air and say, well, this is the direction we need to take the Bible so we can we can assimilate, we can synchronize with every other religion in the world, then you're OK. But if you would dare say, wait a minute, stop. Thus saith the Lord God, this is the words of God. And God has preserved them for us. And it's self-evident and it's self-defining and it's and it's pure. I don't want to defile it. I don't want to make it dirty. I don't want to go away from it. I do want to adhere to the word of God. Anybody else want to adhere to the word of God? Amen. Hey, beloved, that's the biblical position to take. That's the position that Jeremiah took. But just understand that when you take that position, yay, All that live godly in Christ Jesus shall what? Suffer Suffer persecution. So if you're Pradeep Lima and you're our friends in India, you know what? There's a lot of people suffering. I mean, and this is the way it has been. We live in a blessed culture, in a blessed society. I just led the sermon with, with some of the wickedness that's going on in our society. We should repent of that. And I say they did it. We've done it. What is the evidence of that? That is the evidence when the word of God is not being adhered to in our personal life, when we're not proclaiming the word of God to the neighbors in the neighborhoods in the communities. Guess what? Over time, that 1800s, 1900s, early 1900s philosophies of Europe creep in and corrupt the mindsets of the people in the in the nation because the church is not as salty and not as light as she needs to be. The truth is not proclaimed as it ought to be. And the next thing you know, there is things going on that are so audacious, it's unbelievable. And while we would like to point the finger at somebody else and what they're doing wrong, at the end of the day, the church has to stop and not make excuses and be an example and say, wait a minute, it's going to fall. The judgment begins at the house of God. We'll take responsibility for the sin because we're the only one with an acceptable advocate for sin. We're the only one with the with propitiation that can do the priestly work of prayer. We're the only people that can preach this Bible with power, love and a sound mind and see things actually change in a city like Harrisonville, in a county like Cass, in a, in a metropolitan like Kansas City, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Someone's got to light a fire, and I mean a real biblical fire that actually gets some traction in times when it's like this. Because sin must be judged, and it will be judged. And the time to reckon with sin is today because Jesus Christ is the only way. He is the truth and he is the life. So in first Thessalonians two three Paul said, for this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God as you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as in truth, the word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe. So in 2024, how is the word of God working in you? I mean, what is the outward evidence of the inward work? I don't care if you got saved last week. I don't care if you got saved yesterday. I don't care if you got saved a decade ago or two decades ago or three decades ago like me. It doesn't matter when you got saved. The issue is what is the word of God doing in our life today? And how is that fire lit for the, the glory of God? If you read Acts seventeen five through 9, you will find that a new believer named Jason was assaulted because of his faith and influence in Thessalonica. I'm going to put it on the screen for time's sake. Acts seventeen five says, but the Jews, which believe not, moved with envy. And they took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort. We have some of those fellows, don't we? We know those guys. And they gathered a company and set all the city on an uproar, and, and they assaulted the house of Jason. You know, and everybody had their phone out while that was going on. They couldn't wait to record it and put it on, on Twitter and, and TikTok and, and whatever. They don't put that on Facebook. And they sought to bring them out to the people, and and when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These have turned the world upside down. These that have turned the world upside down have come hither also. Man, how many, anybody want to turn the world upside down? You know what that means? That means, listen to me, beloved. The message you have, this ancient message, 2,000 years old, simple gospel message is so powerful that when it is absolutely applied in truth, it will rock your world. It will turn your life around. It will upset the apple cart of culture because you are now countercultural. Like you don't even have to grow your hair long. You don't have to tat up and get sleeves. You don't have to put anything in your, no rings in your nose. You don't have to do anything crazy like that. Not that that's crazy anymore. That's normal. Right? That's the norm. It used to be the cool, you know, I was looking back at some hippie thing just yesterday. You know, the Jesus movement and these guys long hair. you know, they were all being rebels with the cause. You know, they had the long hair going and, you know, now it's like, so what? Well, anyway, where am I going with that? I don't know, but (laughs) oh, I do know where I'm going. If you want to be countercultural, just believe God's word. I mean, and just preach it and just believe what it says and preach it like you mean it because it's true. And man, look out. It'll shake the nations, Jeremiah. And I believe that, it, whether in this room or somewhere, there's got to there's gotta be people that God is stirring in their hearts, because beloved, our church is not accomplishing the mission like we need to. I mean, we need it. We need to. We need. To, we got spots to fill in our church. We got spots to fill outside our church. Uh, the mission of God needs to get accomplished. I, I mean to tell you, we need to make disciples and make disciples, and we need to spread them all over the place. We need to be busy about reproducing, spiritually speaking. Like Jason's people's lives are so freaked out so changed around that the people have to get together and hire the mob To come and can insult assault them, right to slow this thing down And of course, we know what happens when you persecute the church It just gets that's right. It grows and gets stronger point B faithful faithfully proclaim If you want to be man, I tell you what if we want to purchase the field and we want to grow in faithfulness Faithfully proclaim god's word regardless of the consequences Irrelevant don't worry about the circumstances and regardless of the consequences, Jeremiah was in prison because he spoke God's truth to power. Speak truth to power, man! Oh, yeah. Who's that quarterback that did that? And they just, they just cut him off NBC the other day. You know, he dared come out and say, hey, praise the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're like, clip. Jeremiah was speaking truth to power. He said, clip. Go put him in prison. I don't want to hear that. Dana White says, I don't want to hear that. Don't bring that Jesus in my UFC octagon. Don't bring that Jesus out on NBC after a football game. What is wrong with you people? Now, what is wrong with you? Since when was the Jesus? Since when was the Lamb of God such an offensive topic? Amen. Jeremiah was imprisoned because he spoke God's truth to power. King Zedekiah didn't appreciate Jeremiah sharing the unvarnished truth about judah's judgment in jeremiah 32 in verses 3 and 5 says Zedekiah king of judah had shut him up he shut him up so he could shut him up saying wherefore dost thou prophesy and say thus saith the lord behold i will give this city into the hand of the king of babylon and he shall take it that's what he didn't want to hear and Zedekiah king of Judah shall not escape out of the hand of the Chaldeans, but shall surely be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon, and shall speak with him mouth to mouth, and his eyes shall behold his eyes. And he shall lead Zedekiah to Babylon, and there shall he be until I visit him, saith the Lord, though ye fight with the Chaldeans, ye shall not prosper. I mean, Jeremiah's just saying, look, hey, Zedekiah, if you continue to do this with Egypt, this is what's happening. God's already determined it. We don't know what would have happened if Zedekiah would repented, but I suspect he might have kept his eyes. The king of Judah didn't like the prophecy, of course, and he didn't like the word of God, so he imprisoned the prophet. He shut him up to shut him up. And you you can even kill the messenger, but the messenger still keeps coming. The message still keeps coming. And it keeps coming to pass because Jesus' testimony, as if you hear on Wednesday night, Jesus' testimony is the spirit of prophecy. When God says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And you aren't going to change it. Aren't you glad of that? I am. Because there's prophecies on me that say I've, because I've called upon the name of the Lord, I'm saved. Hallelujah. I've inherited eternal life. That's what the Bible teaches about me. I got saved. If you're saved, man, there's some there's some truth there that man, praise God, you have assurance of your salvation. I'm so thankful for that. But we live in a world where not everybody has that hope. And with the marriage of radical Islam, Hinduism, and Marxism, it creates a unique environment for the persecution of the church around the world. In the USA, it looks like censorship and and maybe legal problems for now. But in, in other countries, it's overt persecution. As we have uh, personal contacts with people that are being affected with martyrdom. Which isn't a bad thing. They get to go to heaven. And you know, the heart, what's really awesome about that is is uh, when you deal with, like, we, like Americans, we're like, you know, we want to fight back. But once you, like when you're like there and you're talking to these folks that have, been persecutors now they're saved and now they're leading churches it's just it just really gives you a whole nother perspective on the love of god and how these people lay their lives down it's not about fighting against the devil it's about jesus has already won you don't even have to come take my life i'll just lay it down for you and we'll see how the holy spirit deals with you you know it's amazing the power of god uh, man, I tell you, it's still it's hard, though. It's hard to see that. And uh, there's the ten most dangerous countries for for Christians, and this is an old stat- statistic from 2022, or not surprisingly, Afghanistan and North Korea and Somalia, Libya, Yemen, uh, Eritrea, uh, which I don't – that's the only one I actually don't know where that is. It must be in Africa. Nigeria, Pakistan, Iran, and India, of which we have some to do. But I just want to – I bring those up because – I would lay odds I would bet I would bet well, we could probably find every one of those peoples, probably in the metro. as a matter of fact, we got them flooding in. now, why would God allow that? What do you think? Maybe it's because we need to reach him with the gospel. Anybody want to go to Afghanistan and minister the gospel? It's pretty tough over there. Right? We know what happened after we pulled out so rapidly. Christians got slaughtered. You know, we'd be writing the book to Afghanis. Like Paul wrote to the Thessalonians. It's It's tough sledding in a lot of these places. And yet God has brought them to us so that we can minister the gospel to them. Now, not every one of those countries is it illegal, but most of them have, it at the very least, anti-conversion laws. And even as I say that, I have friends in some of these places, and, and I probably might hurt feelings just saying this stuff. But that's the world we live in because of technology. So let's just be very honest about it. We welcome people from all over the world because we have nothing to be scared of. We know Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. We know He's superior. It's because the other gods with a small g aren't. And the only way you can maintain your grip and your hold is through blunt force and terror because they're lies. And in due time, it will all be worked out. But in the meantime, our job is to be ambassadors for Christ. And there's, there's Somalis in our, I know there. I just talked with somebody who's reaching unreached people groups in our community. I mean our community in the Kansas City metro. I think he told me 20 Muslim Somalis sitting around in Kansas City, listening to him preach the gospel in Arabic. Amen. I'm going to go light on the details because of where we are and what's going on. We, need, we, need, we love those Somalis. We want them to get saved, even if they want to kill you. We want to get them saved because God loves them and God died for them. The world has become an increasing, increasingly hostile to the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But the irony is that the good news is, is considered bad news in the hearts and minds of many who are lost. In Isaiah 5:20, the Bible says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, and put darkness for light and light for darkness, and put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own eyes. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink, which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. Therefore, as the fire devoureth the stubble and the flame consumeth the chaff, so their root shall be as rottenness and their blossom shall go out as the dust because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts and despise the word of the Holy One of Israel. Woe unto the wicked as they continue in hardness of heart like King Zedekiah. Would to God that would not be us. Would to God we would not be that church that ignores Jesus as he's knocking and this book is open and we just don't want to hear what it has to say. As we enter 2024, we not only have to be diligent to know the state of our flock, but we've got to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ with boldness. Uh, do a word study in your Bible. And i didn't—I'd never done this till yesterday, but you will not find uh, a place where it says share the gospel or even teach the gospel. Uh, it's gonna, you know what it's going to tell you to preach? Preach the gospel. Eleven times, preaching the gospel five times. So, you know, 16 times you're going to find that. In Acts 4, there was a bold preaching by the apostles. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Beloved, in 2024, that's, that's what every Christian needs. It's not necessarily just more classes about Jesus, but more time with Jesus. I, t- I don't know about y'all, but I wrestle with time. I'm preaching. And, of course, it's easier for me because that's my job. I, I got to study, so I get the, I get extra accountability. It's kind of nice. But I, I, it was hard, you know, 20 years ago to, to make sure I carved out that time every day with Jesus. And I did, and I made sure of it. I was religiously faithful about that because I know me. I can't operate without it. I'm dependent on Jesus like an addict. I'm addicted to Jesus. So, man, I tell you what, though, don't let this world, the flesh, and the devil get you addicted to anything else, because it will crowd out your time with Jesus, and then your witness won't be bold. It'll be well, lukewarm. It'll be lukewarm. You don't want that. In Acts five, the religious leaders are are forbad. Uh, they forbade the gospel, the apostles from preaching the gospel of jesus christ and it didn't stop them at all i mean they weren't even phased they didn't even think twice about it are we that committed to the to getting the gospel where it needs to go think about that in 2020 we're taking on adopt street we're gonna we got 300 is it 300 homes where's jeremy at he left okay there i think it's 300 was it 300 homes that's a lot of homes Right at 300 homes, we're going to be intentionally going out and just sharing the love of Christ with. Some of those people will be Christians, so that'll be easy. But some of them won't be. And and our job is not to really do anything crazy, just to love on them, offer them prayer when we have events that make sense. We'll offer them opportunities to come to that. You know, we're just going to love on them. But you know what? There's folks that will not even go door to door because they're scared of rejection. Because you and I both know we don't like when people come to our door, Right? So what? you don't want to go to someone else's door. I get it. I'm just like y'all. But you know what? I've found when I pray about it and I go and I'm gentle and I say, hey, just, I don't want to bother you. I'm offering you. I'm giving you. I always try to give them something. Can I pray for you? You know what? People aren't that freaked out if you're not selling them something. If you're just giving them something and you sincerely care enough to say, hey, is there anything I can pray for you about? You'll be shocked, especially here in, in, in this part of the country, in Cass County, south of Belton, man. It's wide open. I mean, you try, try that up in Independence, not quite as easy. It can still be done, but it's not quite as easy. It is much easier down here. We went, Amy and I, we were down in Archie doing the door. Man, that was like, Archie's like wide open. They're like, come on in. Where you been? Been waiting on you. I mean, I'm like, whoa, it's cold up there in Harrisonville. Now Harrisonville's warm too, guys. It's warm it. This is a warm community. This is a warm this is a good place to plant seed. The temperature's just right. The further north you go, the colder it gets. It's harder to plant. I'm i I'm serious. How do I know that? Because I've done it. I mean, we got fruit. We got Sean and Rachel South came through that kind of ministry. Uh uh. Don the the people just well like uh Chris Chris Cohen going going garage sailing, you know. Uh Don van uh, Don Van and his wife came in through that kind of thing. And just just loving people. Going out, saying, hey, how's it going? I'm not saying that's the only way or that's the way you gotta get I'm just saying this. There's gotta be some sort of boldness. Acts five seventeen, turn there in your Bibles because you've been in Jeremiah too long. Keep a finger there in Jeremiah. Acts five seventeen, the Bible says I'll give you a second to get there. I'm turning there, so if I get there, you should be there. Oh, man, I'm really having a hard time, too. There, I'm there. Amen or oh, my. Okay, so Acts five seventeen. Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees. these fe- These fellows, the Sadducees, didn't believe in the resurrection, by the way. And they were filled with indignation and they laid their hands on the apostles. I mean, this was getting physical. They didn't even worry about calling up the, the men of the baser sort. They took care of their own business and they put them in the common prison, just like Jeremiah. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, go, go, go stand and speak in the temple to the people, all the words of this life. I mean, they got the great commission. The last time they heard Jesus say, go, it was, go ye therefore. And now he's busting them from jail saying, go. And when they had heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest came and they that were with him and called and and counseled together and, and all the senate of the children of Israel. And they sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told, saying, the prison truly found we uh, we we shut with all safety, and the keeper standing without before the doors. But when we had opened and found no man within, I mean, like he teleported him out. It was like Star Trek before Star Trek was ever thought about. Now now, when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief of priests heard these things, they doubted of them, whereunto this would grow. They're like, oh, we got to have a cover up. Then came one, verse twenty five. Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom you put in prison, (laughs) they're standing in the temple and teaching the people. And when the captain with the officers uh, and then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. And when they had brought them, they sent them before the council and the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. Now we believe in Romans 13. We should submit to the powers that be for sure, for sure. But when it comes in the matter of go ye therefore and teach all nations, that's one thing. There is no compromise. Absolutely none. None. That is what we do. That is why we exist, even unto the death. So what circumstances do we and do I and do you allow in your life that limits the faithful proclamation of the word of God? What is it? I mean, is it because uh, someone rolls up in your house and puts a pistol to your head and says, thou shalt not preach Jesus? Or is it something a little more benign? Like, oh, I need to sleep in today. Or, hey, there's a favorite television show I need to watch. or, Or what? Or for me, i got some ministry activity. It's a lot more comfortable to do that than to go and do this. Whatever it is, we can find our excuses, but we don't need any. We need to do what God tells us to do. It's a besetting sin. Is, is that what's keeping us from being what God saved us to be? I'm telling you guys, the time is urgent. It won't be long, and we'll be at the judgment seat of Christ, and we'll be looking back at these days going, Why didn't we do more? Why didn't I say a few more words? Just like Schindler's List, but it's not a movie. Heartland has real opportunities planned this year to give you the opportunity to to do basics and proclaim the gospel in our community. I just mentioned one with uh, the Adopt-A-Street. And Monday evening there will be a delegation at, at the Harrisonville Chamber of Commerce training, and we're part of helping train for that. But beyond that, we have all kinds of things planned. I could get out the calendar, just like I talked about last year, and I gave you all the things coming up. I had the mission strips, which, by the way, we still need to propagate, fill those up. But the main thing is there's gonna, there are opportunities coming. Are we, are we putting our life in, a, in a order to take advantage of the opportunities that God's going to bring you tomorrow at work or today at the restaurant and this year? We plan on doing Christ Soccer Academy. There's going to be lost people roll up on our property while we're playing soccer. Are we prepared? Are we ready-minded? Are we actively engaging? Do we show up like, oh, I got to do this, I got to do that? Yeah, we got to do this and that. But also, are we ready with an answer? Are we sensitive to where people are at? Are we looking for opportunities to share the gospel? And I'm not just saying that to you. I'm saying that to me. These are the. This is what it takes to be faithful and grow in faithfulness. It's good to be diligent to take care of your herd, man. you got to take care of your kids. But you got to be careful not to circle the wagons so much and make the world so bad that you forget that you're the only thing stopping hell from coming down on it. And you are the one. I'm the ones that got to preach the truth. And if anybody's going to take it in the neck, it should be us. Because we're saved. We can take it. But God forbid... Your dear neighbor, my dear neighbor, my dear friends in the community, go to hell because I didn't. They should, as a, I think it was a, the William Booth said, right? If they're going to go to hell, they should be tripping over the top of us. That may have been Spurgeon, one of those guys in the Philadelphia Church age. They're like, man, if they're going to go to hell, they should, we, they should be falling, they should be tripping over us as we're trying to drag them to heaven. Now we know there's free will and all that, but but it's at the end of the day, it's a it's a desire of heart. It all starts with the heart. And I only got halfway done. But it works out good because next week I was going to do a giving message, and my next point is invest. We'll talk about investing next week. We gotta be a faithful investor in God's field. So I'm just gonna pause it right there because of time's sake and, and and I think that's enough for one day. <laughs> so you know, we got to purchase the field by growing in faithfulness. In 2024, this is what we're going to focus on today, is just be a faithful proclaimer of God's Word. If you're like me, would you believe I'm scared to proclaim God's Word? Sure I am, just like you are. Yeah, some of you probably think I'm not. Oh, it's easy here at the church with everybody. here, are the Amen Choir. But I've had a little practice. I started at places where it wasn't the Amen Choir. Drunken people at City Union Mission, sometimes antagonistic people at City Union Mission. And, and also, I worked in the real world. And so I learned, right? You don't roll up at work like I roll up in this pulpit when you're at the hometown crowd. This is, this is, like a, this is a rally point for the troops. The church, by the way, that's why we're a church that makes disciples, a little bit about our vision here we'm all of, as you, I think if you know me, if you listen to what I say, you know like half of me is outside the doors. I want to go, go, go. It's hard for me to I mean I literally want to go. I want to go to the world, I want to go to the next town, I want to go, 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 get the gospel where it needs to go on time. but God trained me a long time ago, and he showed me the key to the, what do you think the key to that is? It's y'all. The church. One dude going and going and going with all the zeal in the world is going to accomplish very little for the gospel. say, what about Paul? What about Billy Graham? What about Billy Graham? What about Paul? You know what Paul left behind? He left behind the mysteries of of, of the New Testament. And God used it as Baruch recorded Jeremiah's words and left behind written records of what God had said. So those that read it, could run with it the church is so important to proclaiming the gospel it's so important to getting the word of god out and this church is literally about that in the written form like if we can get as many bibles of joe Hendry's, we're not going to go wrong sending bibles of joe Hendry's man it's just not going to happen that guy's going to he's going to propagate and get the word of god out not just the written word but the preaching word if we can get Bibles to Zambia, we're going to get Bibles to Zambia. If we can get Bibles to, uh, you know, uh, Good News in Action or whatever they are down in, in uh, uh, Evermore down in Jamaica, we'll get Bibles there. If we, if you want Bibles, um, um, over here at the accounting office, JB Slicer. I mean, I don't, I don't know if he's in the house. That guy comes and gets boxes of Bibles, hands them out at work. Praise God, we'll give you as many Bibles as you need we got to get the word out, but we don't just need to get the written word out though. We do need to get the written word out. We've got to get the written word in the hearts and the minds and the lives of people. If, if people wouldn't have slowed their role for me to first lead me to Christ and then take me to their house and sit me down at the kitchen table and just invest, I wouldn't be here today. And so part of being diligent and then being faithful is, is not just learning all of this information so you know all the facts. It's turning around and, and ordering your life in a way where you're like, you know, I'm busy. But you know what? I'm going to carve out this time at night once a week, and I'm going to invest in this person. I'm going to invest in this couple. And beyond that, I'm going to, we're going to not just share information. We're going to share life. I'm going to walk with God and be open and vulnerable enough. They're going to see me. They're going to see that I'm not perfect, but they're going to see that I love God. And I love people. And then the next time there's an adopt the street, you know what? I'm going to take that person with me so they can watch me get a little nervous. They can watch me push through that wall by faith. And then you know what? They're going to go right behind me and they may be better than I am. They may go much further than I ever thought about. Praise the Lord. Right? Right? That's, that's really what it's all about, beloved, is just investing your life in the Word of God and investing it in others and going about the real mission and going. Whether it's going on a mission trip somewhere around the world, which we do that too, or we go across the street. I remember last year Angela was wrestling over, well, should I go to Boston if I haven't gone here? And I'm like, go, just go all of them, do it all. Do it all. Go to your neighbor and go to Boston, you know, and get a ticket and go to China. It doesn't matter. Just go. And it's in the process of going that you will find out you'll start growing. So you got to stop and get the word in, but then you got to get up and get the word out. And so some of you that are a little more mature, this is what you and I got to know. Is it's not always going to be as easy as it has been. And we got to be faithful. We got to be tenacious. Doesn't mean hateful. Doesn't mean crass or harsh. As a matter of fact, we should be more gentle. But we need to be serious in the days ahead about our willingness to purchase the field. It's already been bought by Jesus, His blood owns it. So I'm not talking about going out and buying a field physically. Although if somebody wants to buy the field next door, you can. We will take the donation. But uh, but I'm talking about going out and winning, and discipling the people that God puts in our view. Proclaiming the truth in a way that even if people don't like it, they're not offended by Jeremiah. They're offended by the fact that what he says is absolutely true. And all Jeremiah is trying to do is warn them. Judgment's coming. Today is the day of salvation. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. You know what? God is merciful. He will forgive you. You can be saved. You don't have to face the wrath to come. Let's stand. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity just to meditate on your word and to give ourselves wholly to it. I pray, God, that the word of God would dwell in us richly in all wisdom, that you would light a fire in our hearts, Lord, to, to daily uh, dive into the Word of God and and just to meditate upon what you teach us and to share uh, that nugget, that little information that you give us, that encouragement that you give us, Lord, just begin with the little things, Lord. I pray God that you would stir up our pure hearts and our pure minds and Lord, I pray today in this building lord we 're beginning a new year and, and and Lord, we have such an encouraging message, we have such an encouraging future, Lord we are the light that you have left here in our world lord and, and uh, you've given us the word of the lord jesus christ you put jesus in us and and lord i pray god that as we go forth that we would have that boldness to proclaim no matter the circum-